0: to the seven innings after party, another hour of coverage of the unveiling of the NCAA tournament bracket for this year's championship. Will it be the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, the path to the three-peat, or will be, there be other surprises along the way? We're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive here in our second hour of coverage. Beth Mowens, Holly Rowe, Amanda Scarborough, Michelle Smith. Little little quick around the horn here. We'll sprinkle the infield. Your, your
1: thoughts on, on what has come out <laughs> in the bracket, Holly. Okay, well, I think there's some really great things in the bracket. I think it is hard because there's a lot of parity. The selection committee was very clear. They put a priority on top ten wins. Top twenty five wins, head to head matchups, and then geography, right? Like yep. going to the closest place. There are some exceptions. I think Alabama, Twitter tells me that everybody thinks Alabama's <laughs> seated too high. <laughs> too but high. we we definitely <laughs> asked the committee about yeah. it and they pointed out those top ten wins. So that's what they're looking at.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest takeaway. And, Beth, you called it on the show. You knew that that's exactly what people would be talking about is Alabama at 5. I think that Northwestern, when you looked at their RPI, because usually that's what we look at, right, is RPI, and it fairly goes side by side. But this year, it was definitely mixed up with Northwestern at the 12, even though their RPI was 7. And then also Stanford, whose RPI was
3: 3 falling out of the top eight, which is a huge deal, I'm sure, for them. Yeah, Yeah. and I think it it comes down to the parity, right? There's a lot of that. But I think it's also, we hear a lot, the full body of work. So it really is the entire season that counts. And if you're strong at one part of the season over another, I think that at times we feel like some of the teams might stub their toe at one point during the season, but it's how do you rebound who have you beat um, head-to-head, as we talked about? So, you know, it, it's a tough decision all the way around, and there, and there are those dynamics with travel, as you mentioned, Holly, that are important.
0: Just a couple notes that I jotted down. The committee did tell us last four in, Fullerton, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Texas State. First four out, Arizona, Mississippi State, Penn State, and South Alabama. So bubbles bursting tonight for Arizona and Michigan, who have been in this tournament for decades And some hope, I think, the paths that Wichita State and Central Arkansas might be able to take on the road to the Women's College World Series. All right, so we're going to start on the upper left part of the bracket and sort of put this together for you. So you can see the winner of the Norman Regional will face the winner of the Clemson Regional if the seeds hold. That would be Oklahoma and Clemson. OU 51-1, 43 wins in a row, that one loss to Baylor. They are on pace to set a record for having the best record in the history of the game.
3: Well, and I think with Oklahoma, you you know what you're going to get. You're going to get an exceptional team, and they're very strong in every aspect of the game. They pitch well. They've got three dynamic arms. They have a dynamic offense that almost acts like another pitcher, right, because the, they, they can give up some runs, and their offense is going to make up for it. But their defense as well, they have the number one fielding percentage in the country. So this is a team that does not rest on their laurels. They go out, and they celebrate every walk, every hit, every little thing in the game, and that's why they are champions
2: well that's the thing that i was going to say michelle your very last comment how they celebrate everything if you were to watch an oklahoma game and turn off the sound they would be celebrating every single little thing as if a game back in february and march was the national championship game and so when it gets to those big moments in the postseason when the games really do matter they're used to playing with that extra energy and that extra edge because that's how they've
1: played all season they know they're the best they play like it and they still celebrate everything Patty said something in our interview I thought was interesting, depth, right? So we saw last year Jordy Ball had an injury late in the season. That impacted their postseason. They have new people that they can plug into the lineup, so depth is a big strength of Oklahoma's. But then the other thing is human nature. We just saw in the women's NCAA basketball tournament, South Carolina, who was on this massive win streak, hadn't lost. You know, they lost in the semifinal. So human nature, do you get tight when the most is on the line? hard when you haven't lost in a long time yeah and they're number one batting average
0: fielding percentage and ERA awfully tough uh, to go into the postseason atop all three of those and, and try and knock them out Uh, Let's move down now, staying on that left side of the bracket where the uh, Stanford Cardinal are a 9 seed. They'll start out at home. Two really good pitchers. Smitty and Scarborough are on the move. They're going to head over to the touchscreen because not only are they winners, ladies, but they complement each other so well. You guys got to run faster.
1: I'm just you know, enjoying watching Amanda walk in the high heels, but it's just
0: a show. I for thought us. we
2: had a little bit more time than yes. that, but that's okay. We had a chance to be able to pull some heat maps of the pitchers from Stanford to compare the Nigerie Kennedy and Elena Voder and how much they complement each other. Nigerie Kennedy, a freshman who throws more up in the zone, and nobody's told me whose this is yet, and I'm wondering uh, if I'm ever going to be told, but if I was just looking at it because it's more down in the zone, I would guess
3: Elena Voder right here, Michelle. Absolutely. She throws a little bit more down. Kennedy, who is. Is uh, very strong with the rise ball. I would. I would look for her heat map to be a little bit stronger on the upper part of the strike zone. So
2: the red is going to be where they pitch the most and where they get the most swings and misses. So Voder going to be more down the zone, and then hopefully we have the Kennedy one that's going to be about right here. So if you're looking at the plate, too, this is as if it's a right-handed batter. Both of these pitchers like to throw more on the inside corner. It's going to be an interesting matchup, Michelle, if Stanford and Florida end up heading – of course, they have to win. Yes. But if they end up facing each other with the pitching of Stanford and the offense of Florida.
3: yeah, it'll be. A interesting to see how did they throw Skylar Wallace who has just been a beast to all fields. Right. If you look at her spray part chart she can go to every field for power as well as average. She runs. So this is going to be an interesting matchup watching these two elite pitchers go up against a Florida team that can score a lot of runs and they say it: we need to score six to eight runs a game in order to help out our and look at here, it magically appears.
2: Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> so this is Nijeri Candidi, the freshman pitcher for Stanford. This is her heat map. Look at how much more it is up in the zone. She loves to throw that rise ball at all different levels. I mean, that is a pitch. Danielle Lori when she was calling the Pac-12 championship, was just raving about her electric rise ball.
3: Yeah, she has that electric rise ball, but she can also pull the string a little bit. She's got that off speed that she can throw. She can mix it around. But this is definitely where she likes to live and get those uh, swing and misses.
2: So they complement each other all. Vodder are well, Vodder more down the zone, Kennedy more up in the zone. We look forward to seeing them pitch in the regionals.
1: Well, okay, we're going to go to the source of all of this because Naishari Kennedy is going to join us now from Stanford. How are you? Hello, I'm
4: good. How are you guys?
1: (laughs) So great to see you. We wanted to talk to you because you are a freshman pitcher and you are just absolutely lighting it up this year a (laughs) 0.49 ERA, which is unbelievable for a freshman. How in the world have you been able to step into the circle and be so dominant while also navigating your freshman year academically at Stanford?
4: Yes. Oh, and thank you guys so much for having me. But um, honestly, I owe it all to my team. Um, it's, <laughs> um, it's easy to be a good pitcher when I have them behind me. They're honestly so amazing, and I owe them everything.
1: You have really evolved throughout the course of the year. Your rise ball, has you've kind of learned some new things to do with the rise ball, so you're throwing it more in the zone. Tell me what's been the biggest adjustment for you in that rise ball. You love to live at the top of that strike zone.
4: Um, yes, I think the biggest adjustment has just been um, kind of navigating college hitters. In high school, um, I don't know. There's a, there's definitely a couple good hitters, but then um, it kind of dies off in high school um, compared to college. Like one through nine is really hard. So just trying to navigate. Okay, like on this one through nine, like you can't you can't miss on the plate. So just trying to just trying to throw my best game. Yeah.
1: You talk about high school. You know, you're from Topeka, Kansas, and I know you guys went back there and played this year. Tell me a little bit about that because I heard the lines were out the door to come and see you pitch in your
4: hometown. Yes, it was amazing. Um, We played at Kansas and I'm from Topeka. So it was like a 30 minute drive and I give lessons in Topeka. So all of those girls, they're like 10. So all of them came to watch Um, some, my high school actually brought like a caravan and they drove. So it was, it was just incredible.
3: And, Nigeria, I'm curious about your rise ball. Do you throw it as a two-seam rise ball, a four-seam rise ball? And what are you thinking about when when you actually snap it off to get that late, sharp break?
4: Um, Yeah, I'm honestly thinking about where I want to start the pitch and where I want to end it. But um, it depends on the count, too. So um, depending on the count, the batter, the hitter, um, I'm thinking about all of those things before I throw it. And, yeah, just trying to throw it um, in different scenarios.
1: Well, I love it. Nigerie Kennedy leads the NCAA in strikeouts per seven innings. And I just want you to know, we understand your team has your back. I just love that they are all literally <laughs> behind your back. <laughs> hey Sanford, how how are you? Have a great time. And Nigerie Kennedy, thank you so much, and good luck in your first NCAA tournament.
4: Thank you so much, and thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Yay!
1: They are looking
0: forward to being at home for the first weekend in the regionals. They were home for the Supers last year as well. If they win this weekend, they would have to be on the road as the nine seed, and they would go to face the Duke Blue Devils, who will be at home possibly for a super regional for the first time. A good matchup there. Good head to head. You know, when we talked to the committee, Duke or Stanford, they immediately went to Duke winning the head-to-head so they did get a chance to play each other in the regular season which was a big deal
1: okay so we actually talked to the committee about that eight nine matchup and it was really important because if you're the eight seed you get a host in the super regional if you Mm -hmm. win out duke beat stanford head-to-head and they were also better in top 10 wins stanford didn't have the same amount of top 10 wins so i think it was really important i'm big on head-to-heads i don't know how you guys feel but and top tens that's that's a pet peeve of mine of when we don't honor the head-to-head so how do you guys feel about the seeding? absolutely i think Head-to-heads are very
3: important, um, and I, I love the thoughtfulness of the committee. We asked them a lot of questions, and they were very thoughtful. They had an answer for everything that, that that we talked with them about, and I think that's important. It's it's not like they were just throwing darts right up against the dartboard and figuring out where people went. I mean, they spent a lot of time on this, and that gives me comfort. Obviously, as a softball fan and a softball person.
2: Well, and when we're talking about Duke, I feel like this is a team that hasn't gotten a ton yeah. of attention, and they're a top eight seed. And you guys. They had transfers of Shelby Walters, Caroline Jacobson, and Christina Foreman, huge players for them last season, and Peyton St. George graduated. So you think about who Duke lost last season, and they're having an even better season this season. Props yep. to their coaching staff and Marissa Young for rallying the troops and getting them together.
0: Well, and they're a part of the, the rise of the, the ACC and what we've seen. Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking at this now. Florida State's going to be at home. Duke's going to be at home. Clemson's going to be at home. Um, so th- there is some depth here to this conference now.
1: Remember a couple of years ago, Duke, we all felt like they got the raw end of the deal when they didn't get to host. So I I feel really good. But number one, the team put in the work. They deserved this host seed. But Sydney Romero is an assistant coach there. And, um, you know, she knows a little something about that championship DNA two national championships with Oklahoma. Yeah. And so I, I can't wait to see what this version of Duke softball will do. I think they're going to be a, a nice team this How year. How about for Clemson? You know, the good news is you get the 16 seed, but the, we every
0: coach that we talk to and a lot of the fans around the country <laughs> are like, well, does anybody want to <laughs> yeah. be the 16? Because then you got to go, if you win, to play in Norman, Oklahoma yeah. against the Sooners the second weekend. <laughs> they need to worry about what's
1: in front of them right now because yeah. Auburn is the scariest team to me. Yeah. I think this might be the toughest oh matchup. Gosh. Don't worry about Oklahoma. You need oh, to worry about Eagle. Penta yes. Oh, okay Yes,
3: Maddie, if Maddie Penta gets back to being Maddie Penta, the Maddie Penta that we saw throw <laughs> against Alabama, then I think that uh, Clemson needs to be worried. And then you also have Denver Bryant, who has a ton of energy at that third-base pos- uh, position. Bree Ellis can smack the ball. So this is a, a, a team that can do some damage. If Auburn shows up and is on their A game, Clemson has to be very wary.
2: Well, and they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. This is a team that has felt like they have been ignored all year. And for them to not get a top 16 seed, Mickey yeah. Dean, their head coach, really felt like they could hop in there, and they
0: didn't. They're going to be playing with the fire in their belly. All right, so that is a, a little closer look. We've, we've got the bracket here in front of us, a little closer look at Duke and at Clemson. We've talked Stanford and Oklahoma. We're going to try and, and sort of follow along on the left side of the bracket. So the chase is on in just a few days' time for that national championship trophy. And more coming your way from the seven innings after party in a moment. Oh, the watch parties. Oh, there's glitter. There is glitter we've seen pool parties, we've seen picnics out on the lawn, we've seen a lot of people displaying a lot of trophies and they want another one that national championship trophy to put in their case. sets at the end of the road. On this road to the Women's College World Series. Welcome back to the seven innings after party. Time to talk about, well, what everybody's talking about right now Alabama getting the number five seed. And when we talked to the selection committee about it, the most significant pieces of criteria, and I think we all agree it's not necessarily a bad thing at all, they were rewarded for their top 10 wins and their top 25 wins. But of course, the unknown here, Holly,
1: is the status of Montana Fouts moving forward after she got hurt in the SEC tournament. Right. So if people don't know, Montana Fouts landed awkwardly on her plant leg. She missed the the next game, and she was going to be evaluated tomorrow in Alabama with their orthopedic doctor, Dr. Kane. Patrick Murphy didn't have a lot of information that he shared with us. It is a lower leg injury. But Montana Fouts' status moving forward is absolutely critical mm-hmm. because we all thought that Alabama with Montana Fouts was a World Series caliber team. And now without her, as you see her wince there after that awkward landing, she did try to pitch again. The biggest question is, could they get through regionals without her and then maybe have her healthy for Supers? Or is she going to be out all postseason? We just don't know yet.
3: Yeah, so this Alabama team is going to have to figure out how to respond if she is not available. They've got a couple different arms in the circle that they can go with. They've got to make sure that that defense behind, that pitching staff is going to be strong And then they have to put more runs up on the board. And they've struggled at times offensively. But this is a dynamic team that is starting to swing the bat. And actually, a couple of them in the dugout were like, don't let us get hot. If we get hot, (laughs) watch out. And and they were starting to get hot in the SEC tournament. So I think that this team... Um, they could play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and for Montana if she is unavailable.
2: Yeah, I think that their offense is starting to feel it a little bit too, and maybe it's an injury, but I think really it was happening before yeah. that their offense was starting to come together. And I think that this is a team that's never given up this season. This has not been the easiest season in the world for Alabama. So for them and a season where they're not really their best to still grab a top five seed speaks volumes of coach Murphy, the culture that he has built there. And of course, having Montana fouls in the circle for the big game to get those top 10 wins to get those top 25 wins that they've had and that is the question mark for them if she'll be available
3: yeah and I think coach Murphy said it best he said some teams just need a little bit longer runway to take off and so I feel like (laughs) this uh, this team's toward the end of the longer runway starting to really climb
1: Eight new players, right? So there's a lot of inexperience on this team and what they're trying to do moving ahead. But they're coming together at the right moment. I think the bats are getting hot. Mm -hmm. And Ashley Prangy, who is an experienced player, a transfer from Ohio State, she is the hottest bat right now. So let's see how they Mm -hmm. kind of... Recon, I don't know what the word is. I was trying to, re- reconnoiter? <laughs> yeah. Like, figure it out, get back together? I don't even know. I make them up all the time, too. Oh. Okay, <laughs> perfect. We're, we're, on, we're on the left side of the bracket.
0: If Alabama were to win at home, they would have to uh, match up with potentially Northwestern. Um, In the Super Regionals and then further down that left side would be Texas and Tennessee Uh, We're gonna hear from Karen weekly in just a minute But there are some home run hitters that will be in Knoxville this weekend Mm. Uh, Taylor Roby is one of them Taryn Kern is another one Kiki Malloy is another one So there are some home run ballers Taylor Roby hits them out. She's also a really good pitcher yeah, one of the
2: best two-way players that I don't think gets enough attention. She has power from the right-handed side of the box, 22 home runs this season. But, I mean, the way that Louisville has stepped up, they were in contention for potentially winning the regular season in the ACC. And it's good to get see them back in the mix. And the ACC
1: just mixing things up all around with their teams. The, the top three home run hitters in the country are going to be in this region, right? Kiki Malloy, this is going to be exciting. Taylor Kern from Indiana, Mm -hmm. who, by the way, you guys had the best celebration with the confetti. Great job. (laughs) Uh, But, like, this is the home run region. If I'm, like, a viewer and I'm tuning in for television, I'm like, what time are every single game (laughs) in Knoxville? I think that's going to be the the cool region. Yeah, yeah, well, the
3: ball will be flying for sure, and it'll be flying from the left side as well as the right side, and that's what I like to see. So you have that, um, you know, the variety. A lot of times you see that the... LEFT HANDED HITTERS WILL BE BETTER LOW BALL HITTERS RIGHT HANDED HITTERS A LITTLE BIT STRONGER ON THE RISE BALL AND KERN HAS THAT ABILITY TO REALLY SPRAY THE BALL TO ALL ALL FIELDS BUT SHE REALLY HAS THIS BEAUTIFUL SWING WE WERE BREAKING DOWN her SWING EARLIER Amanda and just the way that she drops that barrel head and gets into the ball and just blasts it out of the yard is a uh, perfection.
2: Well it's her ability to hit the ball more toward the left side and more toward the center of the mm-hmm. field that makes her so impressive really getting the inside part of the ball. We were ooing and eye over her swing um, watching her before the show but look at how many home runs are up the middle of the field or how much power is up the middle of the field. Michelle just like
3: you were talking about you know that a hitter has a beautiful swing when you see a spray chart. like Yes yeah, very very good at keeping her hand inside the ball when your hands stay inside the ball that's when you're going to have that power to center to the opposite field and look at those nine home runs 39 percent of those home runs those long ball going apo which you just love to see
1: just check out on tiktok her catch where she runs into the dugout and goes face down down the <laughs> stairs to get it yeah. yeah she's hitting the ball great what i love is the oh, passion yeah. she plays with um, you're not going to stop taylor kern uh, but
0: the leader right now is Kiki Malloy. Yeah. She uh, has been hitting them uh, quite frequently of late. I think we have a look at her power spray chart. And look at look at that to all fields here.
3: Well, she goes gap to gap, right? She can pull the ball down the left field Line, But you think you're going to take her power away by going outside? Oh, no. She's just going to let that ball travel, and she's going to take you yard, go into right field. So just so much power for Kiki Malloy. Not the man, uh, not to, to – we cannot forget that uh, she can run like mm, the wind as well. Yeah. Only uh, player, I think, in Division One that has over 20 home runs and over 30 that stolen bases. Right. right.
1: So how do you pick your poison? If you walk her and put her on base, then she can steal and hurt you yeah. on the base pass. Like, she's a great pick-your-poison type of problem right now in the NCAA. Yeah. And to watch
2: her in center field, her defense to what well, she uses that speed to cover a bunch of ground out there. But that swing, so effortless yep. and smooth. Watching her play in the SEC tournament championship game, I mean, she was butter.
3: And, and I love the way she had that split grip, right? So she's just slightly split, split. It gives her a little bit stronger top hand, which makes her really good at those uh, those pitches at the top of the zone to be able to to come into them and just blast them. Elevate, right? Elevate to celebrate is what we like to say. <laughs>
1: okay, I'm really sorry. I did have bats and balls up on my porch, on my oh. hot corner, and I should have brought him down here. I'm going to get him in the commercial Next commercial, break. you yes. can
0: run up there. <laughs> well, uh, uh, their pitching staff could be a whole nother show of its yes. own, but they <laughs> yeah. have, also have three really good arms that we've seen throughout the year, led by Ashley Rogers, who is, along with Kiki, a top ten finalist for a National Player of the Year honors. So, that's an awfully good combo, and obviously, they won both the regular season and the tournament championship in the Southeastern Conference. Oh, by the way, their coach was also coach of the year, Holly Rowe.
1: And I think, right. I think we got her on the horn, don't we? Calling SEC coach of the year, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Karen Weekly. hi, we just saw you at the SEC championship and the SEC tournament where your team won not only the regular season championship, but the tournament championship. How have you got your team focused on the first seasons behind them, now the postseason is starting and the focus it will require?
5: Yeah, you know, it was an exciting weekend. I'm just so proud of them and what they were able to accomplish. And tonight was exciting. It always is the selection show. Uh, we left here tonight and said, okay, celebrate till midnight. Tomorrow morning, we get back to work. And I know they'll be ready to do that. They've done it all year long. There is a special feeling with this team, and you have done
1: a ton of leadership work with this group. You read a book called The Twin Thieves, talking about um, fear and the fear of judgment. Tell me how you have worked with your leadership council to
5: build this chemistry on this group. You can feel it. We have a really strong leadership council, just really strong leadership throughout the team. And we we read together the Twin Thieves. Uh, The Twin Thieves are the the fear of failure and the fear of judgment. And those two things can rob us of all the joy in life. And this team has really just embraced the process every day, coming to work together, having fun, and just the joy of competing. And when we keep our focus on those things, um, we're we're a pretty good team, and, and we know we're going to give ourselves the best chance to be successful.
1: You are a very balanced team. I know you work particularly with the pitchers, and your staff had the best ERA in the league this year, and the opponent's batting average was the lowest. Tell me about your pitching staff and how they are going to have to fine-tune for the postseason.
5: Well, a lot of that credit goes to Megan Rhodes-Smith. Uh, she's with them in the bullpen every day. Uh, the extent of my involvement is calling the pitches, just something I've done for so many years, but... You know, we've got a really deep staff. We have six pitchers, and, and everybody hears a lot and sees primarily those three, Ashley, Peyton, and Carlin. But it's just been nice, you know, every day of the SEC to be able to start somebody different for the most part and not let anybody sit on anybody for, for too long. And, and I think that's one of the, the strengths of our team so thus far and will be a strength as we continue into postseason. Well, thank you so much for your time. Karen Weekly, SEC Coach of the Year, the
1: SEC Regular Season Champs, and we will see you in the postseason.
5: Thank you all. all right,
0: we've still got uh, plenty more to come on the seven innings after party, some more home run talk, also a really good pitcher's bracket and a special chat on this happy Mother's Day. They are indeed trophy hunting. I like that one. Beth is like, (laughs) oh, that's a good line because she said it. I'm going to have to write that. Oh, wait, (laughs) I already did remember that. Uh, Hey, welcome back to our our seven innings after party. You know, if you got your bracket now, we're going to cross over to the right side of the bracket and start talking about the teams over on the right side. Up on the top there is Florida State, Georgia, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, that, uh, that Tallahassee show really good pitchers guys uh, whether it's Kat Sandercock or Donnie Goburn or Sarah Willis or Kylie Myers that's gonna be fun to watch the pitching going on you see the times there on the bracket and as as it lines up right now it's those uh, Florida State speed and pitching against the Georgia big Bashers if they were to meet in the Supers yeah that would be interesting when we're thinking about Florida
2: when we're thinking about the, the first one, I can't wait to talk more about oh, the pitchers. We'll, we'll get to this we We'll first. get right back yeah. to that. But <laughs> yeah. here's
0: a look at, at uh, Arkansas and uh, Oklahoma State potential <laughs> showdown, Fayetteville and Stillwater. Of course, Oklahoma State, one of the three uh, three Big 12 schools that made it to last year's national semifinals. So it was a, a great postseason for the Big 12 as they had both teams in the championship game as well. But let's circle back around now. What we could see um, at some point in Tallahassee would be uh, Kat Sandercock and Donnie Goburn. Well, and what I was going to say
2: before we showed the other bracket is <laughs> just about how these staffs in this regional have or their pitching coaches have used the complete staff, not just relied on one pitcher. Yes, Mm -hmm. you can say Donnie Goborn and Sarah Willis and Kat Sandercock, and they're a huge part of their pitching staff. But all three of these coaches have been able to use a complete staff to use McKenna Reed solely in relief, the left-handed pitcher for Florida State, to bring Kat Sandercock in late in the game. Florida State has a pitching staff of seven pitchers. And look at what South Carolina did in the SEC tournament when they had an opener, is what Bev Smith likes to call it, and then bring Donnie Goborn in late in the game.
3: Yeah, and you know, what's interesting about Florida State is that Lonnie Alameda said early in the season that she wanted to put her pitchers in every situation possible so that they were uncomfortable, so that when the postseason came, they would be comfortable being uncomfortable. In fact, McKenna Reed got her first start in the Clemson series on the road for the freshman, and she was lights out. Uh, You know, so these are... Uh, Very versatile pitching staffs, and I think that the coaches, you know, had that foresight to say, I need to make sure that my kids are ready for any situation.
1: Okay, I feel better because now we have a softball. I'm giving it to you, so you can do some grips for us. But (laughs) um, I actually happened to be in Florida State for fall ball for a practice, and McKenna Reed was out in the circle, and they had runners on the bases. They had absolute game-like situations that she had to try to get out of, and it was hard. And I got to sit and watch that entire situation that Lonnie put her in. And and this is a young, young pitcher and everything that would happen, she would go back into the dugout and write it in her journal. Um, so she has been learning on the fly since fall ball started. It's really interesting. Yeah. Let,
0: let, let's talk, go ahead, Michelle.
1: You well, I was just
3: more? gonna say you know, as well, you know, we've talked a lot about Donnie Goeborn from the SEC tournament, but I'm impressed that this is a young lady, perfect example that you can learn a new pitch in the middle of the season, right? So Bev Smith taught her how to throw that change up Which is so important to be able to mix speeds. You got to (laughs) have velocity plus, spin plus, you got to have the plus. and uh, her plus ended up being a really good changeup.
1: Keys to a good changeup. It's not. You can't oh. just learn it in the middle of the season. This is exceptional oh, that she's absolutely. learned it to throw it for strike. Let's not.
0: we, we got an interview coming up, too, with one yeah. of the uh, the uh, UCF night superstars. But they got an interesting. Uh, what, what do you say about their pitching staff? What does Cindy Ball Malone like to say? Protect the queen oh, that we you learned queens. in February. Perfect. Right. You and that perfect. was one of the in questions the
2: that I actually wanted yeah. to ask Jazz Williams is, Jazz, how did that topic end up? playing out this entire year we saw you in february in clearwater in the tournament and that was the topic that was the theme of this year from the defensive standpoint how did that play out for your defensive season
6: you know defense wins championships so our like mantra is protect the queen she's the queen on the mound we're the knights we're there to protect her and that's kind of just been our theme all season and i don't think that's just been this season i think coach bear that's always just been one of the most important things that she stands by and you can tell that Demet is just so important to us in our culture um, and you can see it when we play on the field I think I just got
1: it it's a chess reference the Knights the Queen yeah. it's coming together now okay jazz happy Mother's Day you are one of the few softball players in all of NCAA Division one who is playing with A little cute baby, Baby Z, your husband there. Tell us what is this like, balancing motherhood now for the second season as you play softball and all of the demands that that requires.
6: Well, first of all, thank you. And, yeah, you know, I think second time around, second season with a baby and a husband, um, it's a little easier this time around a lot thanks to my husband. And, you know, my son's getting older, so he could kind of you know, play around. He can recognize me on the field now, which is really nice. Um, But yeah, so it's just, oh, here he comes. But, uh, you know, it takes a village and my husband is literally the reason why I can do what I do. And then also Coach Bear, I get to connect with her on a deeper level, which is so nice because, you know, not many coaches, I think our kids are around the same age. Okay, baby so, Z definitely really wants nice. to be in this interview. It's okay.
1: It's okay. If he comes in, it's okay. He will not get in trouble. He can come and say hello if he wants. While we're waiting for baby, tell me a little bit about this last weekend. You guys win the conference championship and you were instrumental at the plate. Two home run, a two run home run. Tell me a little bit about what's working for you at the plate right now.
6: You know, I have been working really hard on my swing all season, trying to get a little bit more power, you know. So I think this was just the weekend that it came all together. And, I mean, what better time? And so I was just glad that I got to bring my team some momentum and, you know, bring that energy. So I'm just glad that it clicked right then. Well, congratulations. We all admire you
1: so much. Happy Mother's Day and all of our best to you. Navigating everything that you have—school, baby, husband, softball—and you're doing such a great job. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Go Knights! Thanks, Jazz. <laughs> Thank you very
0: much, Jazz. So that, that'll be a fun one to watch with all the great pitchers in Tallahassee. Uh, but we we have to go back to the power uh, now because, hmm. you know, they they talk about the Appo G at Jack Turner Stadium there in <laughs> Georgia. They love the uh, you know the. Uh, Opposite way, but I think there's going to be a lot that are going to be going over the fence uh, with this group. A lot of home run potential in Georgia.
3: Yeah, this is, um, if you're in the circle, you definitely have to have thick skin, I think, um, because, let's see, uh, 81 home runs on the season for uh, UGA uh, Virginia Tech is 97. Ooh. They've got five players in double digits. So, you know, if you're a pitcher like Emma Lenley, you're just going to have to be. You know that the ball's going to fly, and you got to try to keep it low in the zone. She's a rise ball pitcher. She understands that at times when you leave it a little flat, it might go out of the yard. But this is a Virginia Tech team that even if they give up a home run, they can hit home runs as well. And Emma Lumley has worked very hard this year to have a great year.
2: Well, Michelle, I mean, in all fairness, she's given up a lot of home runs. That's not easy as a pitcher. You want to strike people out. You want to get people out. So to see the ball leave the ballpark can be pretty painful. Honestly, you work so hard to be able to to – miss barrels. And so for Emma Lemley to give those 30, give up those 36 yep. home runs, Michelle, we were talking about her and just the fight that she shows up with still every single yep. game, yep. she steps into the circle and still thinks she can strike you out, still thinks she can miss your barrel with her rise ball. And that, to us, has been pretty impressive.
3: She, she is very resilient, and, and that's what I love. You have to be resilient if you're a pitcher. You have to forget about the last pitch. People always ask me, what's the most important pitch in the game? The next pitch. you got to forget everything else. I think that Emma, when she is throwing really well, she's challenging hitters on the inside Corner, She has to be careful on that outside corner and using the change up. That's the way you miss barrels. You miss it by movement. You miss it sometimes with velocity, but more importantly, you're going to miss it with a little bit of movement. And, and well, and she knows she's
0: help is on the way if need be because Virginia Tech. Oh, by the way, is number one in home runs hit yes. during the season. I think we've got the list here. Virginia Tech ahead of Oklahoma, and then the Bash and Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio. They they got a handful of home run hitters as well. So Virginia Tech uh, can pick her up also.
1: Okay, right now over under who? Which region's going to have the most home runs? My money's on Tennessee. Like, we're not supposed to bet. Never mind. But um, <laughs> Which we don't. But, like, which region is going to be the hottest? What do you think? I, I call this re- – I th- call too. the Georgia the Athens regional.
2: Okay. Yeah. And this is an improved pitching staff, too, for Georgia. The Kerpix and Shelby yep. Walters, who came from the ACC,
0: has faced Virginia Tech before. Yep. Kind of makes things interesting. Uh, Jada Kearney is one to watch for Georgia. Did we mention their names already? Um, Sid- uh, Sydney Kuma, right? Yeah. Um, So their offense is explosive as well uh, with the D1 ranks, fourth in home runs, uh, top 20 batting average, top 20 runs per game. The other name I was looking for there, of course, was Sarah Mosley as
1: well. Yeah, I think that Coach Tony Baldwin has done a great job here. They are a feisty team. They're a tough out. We just watched them play this weekend, and I'm just really impressed with their attitude. Like, they believe in themselves right now.
3: Absolutely, and the way that they just swing that barrel, they keep their hands inside the ball, and as a pitcher, when, when hitters are keeping their hands inside that ball, it's really hard to figure out where to go because you try to challenge them inside, they stay inside and hit the ball the opposite way. You challenge them outside, the same thing, they're keeping that barrel inside the ball and just driving it for power. So Tony Baldwin does such a good job with this offense, they're just very complete.
0: All right, when we come back, we're going to spend a little time out on the West Coast, everybody. Could be a rematch, by the way, coming up between UCLA and Utah in that epic Pac-12 tournament final. More on the seven innings after party after this. Hi, everybody. We continue our tour of the... Bracket, the 64 teams in the field. We are over on the right hand side, headed down towards the bottom, where uh, the uh, Pac 12 is starting to show up as the seeded teams here. Washington, the seven seed overall. LSU, the the, uh, 10 seed. A lot of purple if they were to meet out in Seattle, if the seeds were to advance there. And then Utah and UCLA, who just played that fabulous Pac 12 championship game last night, they could see each other again. UCLA uh, took it to Utah to close out the regular season uh, in their series, so that has a lot of intrigue. But there are a lot of stumbling blocks along the way there over on that right-hand side. And, and uh, what a night it was down in Arizona. The inaugural Pac-12
1: tournament had plenty of fireworks. Yeah, fireworks indeed. It was a high-scoring game, and I think it was a really gritty performance. The University of Utah lost two starters in that game and you know you you have two teammates go down one hit in the face by a foul ball her face got really swollen, another with an injury in the outfield. How do you rebound and, and be resilient like that in that moment? It's so hard. I mean, to see, because you're not just teammates. You're usually pretty
2: close friends. You care about each other. And to see that happen is so tough, especially in a championship game. And you could tell that Utah was a little bit down once they got behind. And, and Amy Hogue even said kind of felt like it was only 3-1, to one, I think. And she said it felt like 8-1. to one. And then they were able to rebound despite the injuries, Holly. And I thought that that was so impressive. Their mindset, the leadership of this team is what catches
3: my eye. Yeah. Yeah, you could see they were just playing with a lot of passion and they really wanted that championship. And, you know, that's the thing that I love about conference tournaments is that there is a championship on the line. It's a single game. It's win or go home. And you could see that passion, that fire,
1: that will just oozing out of the Mm youths okay so they won and went home because they're going to host which is really big um there's a famous janet jackson song she's touring again right now yes, and it is what is. have you done Fabulous. for me lately <laughs> well the utes have done a lot lately utah four <laughs> top 10 wins nine top 25 wins they beat washington and then they beat ucla in that Pac 12 tournament so the utes get that number 15 seed and i think it's huge but i think they earned it yeah and the selection committee when we talked to them uh, when the bracket came out
0: they said that was huge you know these are pieces of criteria they like those big wins. They really take a look at what you do late in the season and Utah, check mark, check mark. I think it's going to be fun to see uh, Baylor in town because Baylor is one of those teams like an Auburn that thought, well, maybe we should have been the ones that were hosting. So, you know, they're going to come in with that that little chip on their shoulder as well. Um, and, and a chance that they could see uh, of course UCLA again down the, down the line and, and, you know, the Bruins will have something to prove. Um, versus each other, uh, Utah recently,
1: but prior to that, oh boy, the Bruins did some blasting. But think about the resilience of this Utah team. They got outscored. I'm so bad at math. Is that 24 to 4? Um, but they came yep, back baby. the very next meeting and they won that game despite losing those two starters. So I'm really proud of the Utes' resilience. Um, full disclosure, I am a Ute. Um, there may be a chance <laughs> I'm wearing red tonight to celebrate that Pac-12 championship. <laughs> I'll but counter I'll, that with a blue. There a we go. We're blue. For even you. objective. <laughs> We're gonna go now though because we are so excited to bring another Ute. Here's two Utes right now. Mariah Lopez, Holly Rowe, with you. And Mariah, we are so proud of what you guys accomplished last night. It was hard. Tell me how this Utah team was able to regroup in the middle of this game when two of your teammates go down in really dramatic fashion and you're trailing.
7: Hi. Yeah, I think that this team is super close and uh, the two girls that went down were a really big part of our team. And um, that was just we just had to come together and regroup and do it for them.
1: You had some critical moments in this matchup as well. There was a really stressful moment late in the game. You guys are leading by three runs, but the bases are loaded for the Bruins and their fantastic hitter, Aaliyah Jordan, who is usually money. She'd already hit a home run. Tell me how you got out of that jam in that moment to win this championship.
7: Um, I just had complete trust in my pitching coach, actually, to call that pitch and get her out on that first pitch.
2: Mariah, Mariah, it seemed like about halfway through the season or at some point, I can't pinpoint it, something changed in you. And A.B. Hogue, your head coach, says that she wants the ball. Give us some insight. What was the change? What, What has been the difference maker for you late in the season?
7: I think our whole mentality this year has just been stepping over the line. And I wanted to be the one, you know, follow my teammates, step over the line with everybody and get to the next level.
1: Well, you've done a really terrific job. Um, two quick questions, though. Injuries, how are the injuries going? Will your teammates be able to play in the regionals this weekend?
7: I don't know for sure what's going on with everything, but they're here with us today, and they're, I mean, they're happy. They're right there in the back. I was going to
5: say,
1: show us your
7: face. Is your face okay? Okay. I see the ice. I see the eyes.
1: I'm gonna leave you with this great video of you guys jumping in the pool. How cool was this celebration moment knowing that you had come back with such resilience? <laughs> that was
7: a huge moment for us. Oh my gosh. That we got everyone in. The coaches
1: night. jumped in so fun well enjoy oh my gosh this is so cute thank you so much for joining us and congratulations university of utah great job this season coach amy hoag um, you guys have some championship coaches too paige parker has won a national championship with oklahoma dj Gasso, like he used to be a little boy at the world yep. series celebrating with his shirt off and here he is now coaching the university of utah hitters you guys have made great strides so congratulations to everybody Thank you so much. DJ's gonna love that that we <laughs> talked about the shirt off. I, I threw out the
5: photo that decided not to. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Uh, well, Utah and,
0: and UCLA and the rest. Of, this could be a, a big postseason for the Pac-12. Washington is also uh, down in this uh, right lower side of the bracket as a seven seed. And well, since we're talking about hitting, you got to talk about Bailey Klingler, um, who has just been dynamite the last couple of seasons up there for uh, the, the Huskies. Yes, yeah, won the triple crown last year. Yep. The 2022 Pac-12 player
3: of the year because she can flat out swing it. You know, her batting average just jumps. She hits for average. She hits for power. She can pull the ball. And you can just see the way that she gets under it. Her barrel is just so quick to contact. And um, so as a pitcher, it's hard to fool her. And, you know, she just is a very complete hitter. And when you can hit the ball to all fields like that, you, you, don't, you don't have
1: anywhere to hide as a pitcher. So I love watching her swing it. You yeah, she... they said protect the queen? Yeah. I think they protect the cling like that? I see what <laughs> uh, she did there. there. Have you been like thinking
2: that. about that since we were interviewing Jazz? You're like, I know this is coming. <laughs> that's great. I love that. And I think, too, it's the way that she's been able to hit home runs late in the game. If Washington is down and it's a seventh inning and Bailey Klingler is coming up, you know that they have a chance because her mentality is made for the big moment. Yeah. So it's not just the stats that she's putting up. It's when she has hit those home runs this season that's helped Washington grab one of the top eight
0: seats. All right. It's going to be just a terrific tournament. We are looking forward to what's to come. All the action will start on on Friday, go to ESPN.com, NCAA.com. They'll have all the game times for all the matchups and where you can find them on the air. And uh, we'll be back with some final thoughts in a moment. In the crowd,
4: the in the clouds,
0: all the watch party celebrations, that's uh, been one of the best parts of the night as we've unveiled the bracket of uh, the Field of 64 on the road to the Women's College World Series. Can it be a three-peat for the two-time defending national champion Oklahoma Sooners, or will somebody else come out of the field? Tremendous parody all around uh, uh, college softball this year, so we're expecting a, a lot of fun in this postseason. We're going to kind of go round the horn with some uh, of your thoughts, and let's get
1: right into what do you think is the toughest regional? Utah. I mean, I think look out. Ole Miss is fantastic. We've seen what Jamie Traxel has done with Ole Miss this season. They are feisty, they are fun. Baylor, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, Glenn Moore, co-coach of the year in the Big 12. I think he has done a phenomenal job with Baylor and I think they're gonna be a really tough out. And I've heard that Salukis do very well in the mountains, oh, so yeah. Southern Illinois. I'm just, <laughs> Utah, the toughest region. I'm here to see them,
2: and I agree with you about yeah. the competitive regional. Um, I think Arkansas, with Notre Dame and Oregon, that Fayetteville regional is going to be really tough uh, for some. I don't know who's going to get out of that one. I think that one's going to be tough. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Athens. I think uh, Georgia up against uh, Virginia Tech, very strong. But how about Boston? 51 wins. That's a very complete team. Yes. They lead the, the country in a lot of. Uh, categories, So uh, I think that Athens regional is going to be I'm going to say Oklahoma st-
0: State on that one because they've already yep. played Nebraska and Wichita State. They all know each other real well. Yep. And uh, it could be tough uh to knock each other out. How about a dark horse? Who's a team
1: that uh, may come out of the weeds here and uh, make some noise? Well, I don't know how much of a dark horse they are because I think Wichita State's had a phenomenal (laughs) season, so a lot of people know about them. But, you know, they've already beaten Oklahoma State this year, and so I think that Wichita State, that's only about a a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Wichita to um, Stillwater, so I think they'll bring a lot of fans. There's a lot of momentum. I once made that drive with Bob Knight in a car. It was a very interesting drive, by the <laughs> we'll way. Talk that's another that.
2: story. Yeah, we'll talk so, about that a little bit later yes. after the show. Uh, mine is going to be Central Arkansas with their pitching and their defense. Not mm. only do they have Caleb Beaver and Jordan Johnson in the circle, but they have a really good defense behind them too. And so that's going to be tough for Alabama to handle in Tuscaloosa if they yeah. do indeed play each other. Yeah.
3: I'm going to go with Florida because Skylar Wallace, enough said. Kendra Falby, following <laughs> her up. man. that speed, I think that they can cause some havoc out there uh, at Stanford.
0: All right. How about uh, your thoughts on a potential upset here and uh, somebody that could knock
1: out a seed? Well, I I, I think Wichita State. That there was my, may be similar answers. It that, that yeah. might be similar, but I think the toughest regional that I'm looking forward to is Tennessee Texas I know Tennessee has their work cut out for them but they both do but I think Texas is really good yep. We have not talked about them enough tonight We should have yep. talked about them more yep. and I think that's going to be a cool regional
2: Yeah, I think I, I look at Auburn uh, With just the chip on their shoulder that they're going to be playing with I think that that's a team that thought they deserved a top 16 seed They're going to be firing Maddie Penta SEC pitcher of the year in the circle and
3: I'm going to go with uh, South Carolina. That's a team that going up against Florida State I think that that's going to be a great matchup Danny Goborn has been obviously lights out and this is a team that is playing with a lot of confidence uh, having made it to the SEC
1: championship game. Yes, she's throwing 74 miles per hour, so good luck, everybody. With a good change.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a a fun watch, that's for sure. And here are some of your notable games now as we have uh, set the times for you. These games will be Friday on ESPN2, uh, the Slugfest uh, that could be going on with Indiana-Louisville at 3 Eastern, Oregon-Notre Dame at 5 Eastern, and then South Carolina UCF at 7 Eastern. A full weekend of softball, double elimination. The winners advance to the Supers, and then those guys will knock each other out so that eight teams head to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series, which gets underway June 1st. And we will see you out there on the road for the Women's College World Series.